From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Kahn with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. You know, David, it really comes down to relationships. Former colleagues, peers, bosses, employees, you never know who can be a link to that next opportunity. Today on episode 76 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Elizabeth Lamont. After a long corporate career, Elizabeth's job was eliminated in 2019, and she became a consultant. While the termination was quite unexpected, it turned into a great opportunity for Elizabeth to take control of her career. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Elizabeth Lamont. Elizabeth is a strategic consultant for early-stage, founder-led beauty brands. After a professional corporate career in Toronto, Hong Kong, and New York, her job was eliminated in March 2019. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, David. Oh, it's my pleasure. Elizabeth, how long had you been an employee prior to 2019? Well, gosh, I started, do paper roots count? <laughs> I've been working since I was 15 years old, but at my at my most recent gig, I was there for almost seven years. Long time. Yeah, it was actually, it was the longest that I had been uh, in a given position in in a corporate job in my career. So it was quite unique for me. And were you in the, the beauty brands sector for most or all of your career? Really all of my career. I started behind the counter at Clinique in Toronto and worked my way up uh, through a series of positions all around the world, ranging from public relations to education to sales and ultimately to marketing, which I'd been doing in New York for about 20 years. Wow. And before your job was eliminated, had you planned to go out on your own? No. <laughs> no, that was not the plan. It was quite different. I was the, the head of marketing at La Prairie for North America and coming off a, a stellar year. We had beaten the market performance by 10 points. I oversaw a number of launches in the previous year, three of which were in the top five in the category. We gained rank in our distribution. We had press coverage through the roof. I was going in for my annual review and planning to ask for a promotion. And it was in that meeting that I was told that my position was being terminated. I'm going to guess that you were probably quite surprised. Yeah. Even now, my heart is racing a little bit thinking about it because it was, <laughs> it was in that moment, right? Hmm. A just reaction, behave accordingly. It was, uh, it was a shock. And, you know, you do the math. You come in with those results, but your position is being terminated. You know, it threw me for a loop. Not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. yeah. And look, honestly, on the surface of it, hearing you tell the story doesn't sound logical. Yet we know this right. happens. This happens um, more frequently than many people care to discuss. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every person that I spoke to afterwards said, oh, I'm surprised it's taken this long for it to happen to you. It happened to me, you know, twice, three times. It's, it happens to everyone. But you have a, you know, then you have a front facing story that you tell, you know, which might be a little bit different from the one that really happened. And of course, I'm now telling it on a widely mm -hmm. broadcasted show. But um, 
but that's okay because I, I managed to dust myself off and, and go through a period of reinvention. Elizabeth, why do you think people have a front-facing story that's different than what may have happened behind closed doors? Well, you know, part of it, it look, if I told the true story, my, my position was being terminated, then you get into, well, well, why did that happen? And, you know, you can tell the story of your reality, which clearly was not the reality of people on the other side of the table. And, you know, it just it just gets into kind of nebulous territory and you don't necessarily want to be presenting negative takes on a story. So having been there for seven years, it was really quite easy for me to say, look, you know, I had, I had done this thing. I had phenomenal results, you know, a number of line items on my resume, my LinkedIn profile, detail the results that I had. And so it was easy for me to kind of bookend that period of my time and go on to do what I wanted to do next. And it portrays just a more positive outlook, which is the type of conversation that you want to have when you're meeting with people, you know, rather than getting into the dregs of something that has a a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Do you think the way people might frame a story or their reaction to the end of a working relationship is different when you are dealing with a business and a client versus an employee and an employer? Sorry, David, could you rephrase that? I'm sorry. Yeah. So Particularly for professionals that become consultants, if a consulting engagement ends and the client doesn't want to continue for whatever reason, do you think that the way the story gets framed by the consultant might be different than what happens when an employee is told that the employer doesn't want to continue the relationship? Oh, sure. I mean, the the consultant relationships that I've had to date, and I don't think it's uncommon, are often on a retainer basis. They're often project-driven, so you've got a scope of work. That scope of work could be ongoing for a period of time, or it could be a very short scope of work. I do one-hour strategy consulting calls, and I do other things that are that are months at a time. And those projects could come naturally to an end. So, so I think it's, it's less unusual for there to be an end to relationships in, in consulting assignments. That's almost the norm. At least it has been for me. Mm-hmm. And it has been for me too. And I, for people I know in the consulting world, I see that it is perhaps more acceptable to assume that a consulting relationship is going to come to an end at some point. And there's no, there's very little stigma attached to the end of that relationship. Whereas with an employee-employer relationship, even though, as we know, these relationships do come to an end quite frequently, and also quite frequently they come to an end for reasons other than the performance of the employee, there's still a lot of stigma attached to the end of the employee-employer relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I also had those same friends say to me, you know, it happened to me. And when I look back at it now, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think, oh, God, this is just, you know, the formulaic thing that your friends are supposed to say to you when this happens. And it's such a cliche. But I really can say now, almost two years later, that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. 
Mm. And Elizabeth, what was the first thing you did? What I thought that I had to do was get back out there, get another corporate beauty job, just like I'd done for my whole entire professional life was like copy paste, right? Now I have to go do that again. And that was my initial plan. And did you actually act on that initial plan? Well, to be honest, I wasn't in a desperate rush. You know, as I said, I started working when I was 15 years old. So it was kind of like, okay, maybe I'll go see some movies and connect or reconnect with friends and and former colleagues. And so I really peppered my job hunting with a bit of socializing that I'd never really had the time to do when I was working. And, And so I was actively job hunting and I was meeting with headhunters, but I was also meeting with with friends and colleagues. And that's what led to an introduction to uh, another headhunter who didn't have anything for me at the time, but really quite generously made an introduction to me and a doctor who was starting his own skincare brand and who himself wasn't yet ready for full-time positions. So it was, it was kind of like, the headhunter had these two potential clients, neither of whom she was ready for or, or we were ready for her. So she put us in touch. And I got in touch with the doctor and we talked and we agreed on an assignment. And I kind of accidentally became a consultant in the process of trying to find a full-time job. And that consulting gig led to another and another. And I've been, I've been doing this now for almost two years. So you're an accidental consultant. I love that. Yeah, I really am. It was not the plan. So much of my professional career has occurred that way. I accidentally moved to Hong Kong. It wasn't my plan. So there's what's that expression about good planning and good luck and kind of the convergence of the two. But yeah, consulting was an accidental next next career step for me. Elizabeth, how long after you agreed with the doctor to accept this first consulting assignment, did you stop looking for a job? Immediately. Really? And I say that, I mean, you know, look, I get job alerts on LinkedIn. I get job alerts on Glassdoor. And the more I consult, the more I think, I don't want a job, a a J-O-B job. I don't want that. I... I want to be able to craft who I am, what I do, how I spend my time, how much of my time I spend. And that's the beauty of the consulting world. You're you're in charge. You control it. Yeah, absolutely. And when did you start telling people that you were a consultant rather than someone looking for an employment position? Really, as soon as I started that first consulting gig, which was about four months, three or four months after I after I left my job, my job job, mm-hmm. and when I realized that that had potential and could be my next iteration, I began right away because the gig that I did have was finite, and I thought you know, this, this is working out well, I need to do more of these. And so that became my new, you know, kind of my new presentation spiel. Mm -hmm. And did you change your LinkedIn profile as well? I did. I started a company, you know, I just, 
it wasn't so thoughtfully named EL Luxury Consulting. I mean, I named it for for tax purposes more than anything else. But yes, I changed my LinkedIn profile and have continued to do so as I've continued to add clients. I also joined an organization called Be the Upside. And Aaron Halper, who's the most dynamic founder of that organization, has a whole session on your LinkedIn page and 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 how to really amplify it. And so I continue to fine tune it, you know, kind of every time I'm in there almost like, oh, I need to tweak these these bits or or add new things as I as I gain new clients. Right, right. So so once you started the uh, the actual consulting assignment, you pretty much went hook, line and sinker into your public persona as a consultant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's who I was. That was, you know, that was my new title, my new role. Yeah. So you also sound to me like somebody who is thoughtful about risk versus opportunity. And as you said, there is this interesting convergence that happens when you're seeking something, yet something else shows up. Mm-hmm. And very often it's a sign that an opportunity is being presented and perhaps that is the direction to go in and and why not push forward full throttle absolutely absolutely yeah if there's a it's almost like it comes presented as an expectation of you right here's an opportunity and and i'm very much of the oh i can do that yep if if that's if that's what's happening now yeah let's do that and so flexibility is key. I mean, behind the scenes, you know, you're, you know, might be sweating a bit, <laughs> but front facing, it's like, yeah, let's do that now. And I'll tell you one of the ways that that manifested, you know, my background for so many years was, was leading marketing teams, big and small, you know, as, as small as two, as big as 27. And in doing that, I established key relationships with beauty executives at prestige department stores across the country. And uh, with this first consulting gig, one of the challenges there was distribution, which is effectively sales. And so I just called all the people that I knew from my marketing days because they're responsible for listing brands in the beauty departments. And so my role was was a sales role, among other things, but distribution is sales. So it's the same thing. It's storytelling. It's presenting a brand, presenting a founder, presenting the products, crafting the desire on the part of whomever the recipient of that story is, whether it's a beauty editor, or buyer, or the associates on the floor, ultimately the, the customer. How can you tell this story of desire? So I was, you know, I was functioning as head of sales, not head of marketing, because that's what needed doing. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. So, so given, you know, your experience pursuing opportunities as they show up and the fact that you have done a very deep dive in a sector as an employee, and now you're doing a deep dive in the same sector as a consultant, what's your perception of the risk and reward of being an employee versus the risk and reward of being a a consultant or an entrepreneur? You know, you might think it's risky to become a consultant, to start your own business, to go out on your own. And I'm I'm actually quite risk averse. You know, I wouldn't perhaps have chosen to do this myself. You asked me the question, was I planning to go out on my own? No. Oh, what if it doesn't work out? What if I fail? 
But then what I discovered is it's just as risky to get into an elevator and go up to a fancy corporate job every day. That's just as risky. Nothing is guaranteed. But when it's your own consultancy, again, I go back to this notion of, of you're in control. I mean, you're, you're responsible for your own success and you need to go out there and, and network and find these opportunities. But you're in control. It's, it's less risky than you might think. Elizabeth, what what have been some of the keys to get the consulting business to work as well as possible? You know, it, David, it really it really comes down to relationships. And I had a had and have a phenomenal industry network, friends who work in the industry. Uh, I did a Master of Professional Studies at uh, FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. So there are peers from, from that program, former colleagues, bosses, people who've worked for me, the beauty exec at department stores, right? It, it's kind of a breadth of, of contacts. And those contacts without exception, have have been the bridges that have connected me with opportunities with, with brands. And in some cases, those are relationships that are over a decade, in some cases, almost two decades old. And so you never know what contact from your past could present a bridge to your future. Elizabeth, now that you've been in it for a while and you've been successful as a consultant, what would you love for your business to become? To become, you know, the way it's worked out for me is that I've had a series of kind of sequential agreements, one client at a time with very, very little overlap. And that's actually been wonderful for me because in some ways I've been learning how to be a consultant at the same time that I was being a consultant. So having one at a time allowed me to ease into this new role and really determine what it could be. And to be honest with you, if you've got a strong foundation client, you don't need many more. And so for me, really what I want it to become is to have one or maybe two more so that I've I've got a little arsenal of three clients that that make up my core. So I guess that means doubling or tripling my business. So when you put it that way, it sounds like a lot. But I'm, you know, I'm confident about my my ability to do that. Look, this this year, more than any other year, has been a year of transformation and reinvention and, you know. I'm happy to to continue that that notion of reinvention as I look to 2021 and really being more proactive, I guess, about securing that second and third staple client. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And what kinds of resources have been most helpful to you as you have figured out how to get your consulting business to do as much as possible of what you wanted to do? You know, some of some of the resources have been, you know, I mentioned the, the network of people that I know. 
some of the things really were that it was the behind the scenes stuff. How do I even start a business? And I was fortunate to have a, a colleague who had recently done it, you know, how to get an LLC, getting tax advice, getting set up with project management and billing systems, all that behind the scenes stuff, you know, that isn't necessarily the, the forward facing piece of the business. And again, I'll go back to the network of Be the Upside and a webinar that I did in August with Aaron Helper that was my introduction to that organization was probably the most valuable one-hour webinar that I had attended this entire year. And I had done so many that were industry-specific, beauty-specific, but this you know, this this focus on my professional persona, you know, was really something that I hadn't done a lot of. And so that was a phenomenal resource to me. And through that, I have made a number of other connections, not necessarily in beauty, but people who have their own consultancies, who are great at brainstorming uh, challenges that you have. So again, it's, you know, it's, it's this network of people. Well, Elizabeth, congratulations on everything that you've achieved in your consulting business in a relatively short time and in a year that has posed lots of challenges for many people. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today or learn more about you or access any resources that you have, where is the best place for them to go? Well, a couple of places. My The profile we talked about on LinkedIn, which is Elizabeth Lamont. My own website, which frankly is kind of a mirror image of that, slightly more designed, but that's at elizabeth-lamont.com. And uh, they really kind of mirror each other. Those are the two best places. Great. Well, Elizabeth, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and going solo and sharing your experiences, um, which are really invaluable for anyone who is going through the transition from employment to consulting. My guest today has been the president of L Luxury Consulting, Elizabeth Lamont. Thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us. David, thank you so much for having me. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can build your consulting business one client at a time and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.